Thank you for taking the time to view this message online. You can connect with us more through our comments section of this video, through our Facebook page, or through our website, nhgj.org. I want to thank you for joining with me on this Palm Sunday message. This is the Sunday when we celebrate Jesus' entry into Jerusalem prior to his crucifixion. And I really do believe that God has something helpful, something special for you today in this message. There's a saying, there is strength in numbers, and it communicates the idea that when there are common ideas, when there are thoughts, uh, when even there's a group presence together, uh, there can really be a powerful influence with the more people that you have. Uh, there are ways in which this is helpful, the, the ability to, to get together with others. There's a magnification of ideas and creativity and, and also in resources. When we need courage to do something, it can be helpful to have others join with us in that. And it gives us that extra boldness, maybe the extra push that we need in order to do something that takes that extra courage. It can be helpful when wanting to accomplish a big goal, something that would be beyond the scope of what we might be able to do on our own. It helps when we have a crowd that's working with us or uh, cooperating with us because it when something exceeds our own resources, we have multiple people involved. And so when others join with us in a group in this nature, uh, and we even see it happening within the church, we accomplish more together than we just do, just can accomplish on our own. And in this way, that saying really holds true. There really truly is strength in numbers. However, being part of a larger group can also keep us from living fully as ourselves and living out our unique purpose in life. Now we're celebrating this Palm Sunday and in this message, we're going to look at how every individual at different points throughout our life, we have to move from what the crowd is doing and move towards this idea of making our own decision related to our discipleship with Jesus. Now that decision calls us to step out from the crowd and follow Christ, but also for those who have been following Jesus for some time. It's not just the first decision, but those who have been following Jesus. We understand that as we disciple along in the path and, and we're led by the Holy Spirit, that there's this challenge that's brought to us at different points in our life that asks us, will we remain with Jesus or will we remain with the crowd? And there are different points where our discipleship is pressed in this way. Will we live out the fullness of the life that we're called to live or will we just participate with the crowd, even if that crowd is doing something good? Now, to be clear, I'm not going to challenge the issue or dismiss the idea of strength in numbers. As I mentioned, we can find uh, great support in community and in, in crowds, in the church. And so you won't hear a blanket dismissal by me in this message of the value of being part of the crowd. There, there is help in the crowd. But this message will point to the truth that you are a unique person in whom God has a unique calling or purpose upon your life. And as in all things in life, 
that we have to at some point take a step out from the crowd and live as the individual that God has created us to be. There are many things that we live in common, that we share in common throughout life with so many people, experiences that are common to humanity at large. But we also know that there's very unique things about ourselves, our history, our calling, our identity, and our purpose. And it's at that point where we experience this pressure to not, no longer follow just along with the crowd, but to make a personal decision to then pursue Christ's call upon our life. And it's really in that space that this message comes, not as a dismissal of crowds, not to push aside the idea that we need others with us, but to really highlight this idea that every one of us at some point in our life is called to step away from the crowd and pursue Jesus with our own unique self and our own unique calling. So in this way, I want us to go forward and we're going to open the scriptures, but let's first pray and ask the Holy Spirit to lead our time. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to teach us and to lead us through this time. Lord, we thank you for giving us courage and boldness to live the life that you've called us to. That while we have so much in common with others, we also know that you put pressure on those points where you're calling us out from the crowd to be the unique expression of your love to the world. And so we ask you, Lord, in our own discipleship, give us the courage, give us the ability to hear you clearly Holy Spirit, would you speak loudly to us so that we can hear your leading and then empower us to live boldly in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, in this message, we begin from this Palm Sunday, the, the entrance of Jesus into Jerusalem. Uh, he recently, in the story that we're going to read just prior to what we're reading, he had raised Lazarus, his friend, from the dead. And so there is a buzz about all of Jerusalem. There is so much excitement around Jesus and what's just happened. And so this idea that uh, Jesus could be the one, and when I say the one, the Messiah, he could be the long-awaited one. And much to the angst in those in authority, in spiritual authority and in leadership within Jerusalem around the temple, uh, the people are stirring and they're excited. And this disrupts those religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, teachers of the law. It, it's upsetting them that so many people are excited about Jesus and the potential that he could be the Messiah. And, and so we kind of experience this buzz that's happening in the crowd in what we refer to as Palm Sunday or the triumphal entry as Jesus comes into Jerusalem. John chapter 12, uh, verses 12 through 15 are the portions of scripture that we're going to be reading. And it just gives us the story of Jesus's entrance into Jerusalem. The next day, this is after the raising of Lazarus, the next day the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, 
just as it is written. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Now, this is a genuine celebration of the people for the hope that they had that God would send the Messiah, that he would come to rule, that he would come and be their king. And so there's already commotion because Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead. There's already excitement around that. And now it's Passover. Uh, Jesus is coming into Jerusalem and the, the city is packed with people who have come there getting ready to celebrate the Passover feast. And now Jesus is coming into town. And the questions, I'm sure, began to arise. You know, will he announce that the kingdom has come? Will he announce his next moves? What's he going to do? Having just raised a man from the dead, having been teaching throughout the the towns, throughout Israel, is he going to deliver them from this oppressive Roman regime? The excitement builds with his arrival and the crowd comes out to meet him upon his entrance into Jerusalem. Now, this is one of those times where it is so much fun to be a part of a crowd. (laughs) There's so much happening. You you don't want to be on the outside looking in on this one. You want to be in on it. You want to be part of the crowd that's celebrating what's happening. There's an energy that's been building and it's palpable among the people who are gathered along the street, along the roadway as Jesus enters the town. You want to be part of that crowd that is cheering and shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. I mean, you can just imagine what it's like as they lay down cloaks, as they throw down palm branches, as essentially making a red carpet for Jesus to ride into town on this little donkey. As they're laying out the the branches, laying out their cloaks, he's coming into town and there's just a roar and, and an excitement, a thrill as you're part of this crowd. What a, what a beautiful expression of uh, celebration of Jesus as he comes into Jerusalem. Now, Jesus doesn't dismiss the crowd. He doesn't say, you're all misguided. I know I'm not going to throw Rome out of Jerusalem. He, he doesn't announce any of those types of plans, or nor is he dismissive of them and saying, hey, too much, <laughs> settle, settle down. He invites it. He, he's part of it. And, and he doesn't tell them to go home. Instead, he, he's, he's excited. He, I mean, he's, he's full of joy as he comes in. Although he does what Jesus always does. <laughs> he presses a little bit more on them to unveil or to reveal what is their underlying motives. What is it that they think is going to happen? What's happening in the crowd, Jesus begins to put pressure on it and address the individuals and cause them to think about why they're there as part of that crowd. He begins to tell the crowd that this moment of celebration isn't going to be enough to sustain them. He begins to put pressure on this idea of the energy that they're experiencing now that it's not going to carry over. It's not going to be enough. He begins to peel back motive and attitudes. He begins to peel back the underlying themes that they have in terms of his messiahship, his his rulership, and what they hope is about to happen. 
And he begins to talk about next steps. He does begin to reveal his plans. Although he indicates he's not setting up a powerful rulership. Instead, he points them to meekness and servanthood as the pathway to greatness within the kingdom. John 12, 24 to 26, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Now, of course, this is not what the crowds wanted to hear. They wanted to hear this, this great move that was going to happen and, and that Jesus was going to establish his kingdom. When you're part of a crowd, it feels like anything can happen. And I'm sure that's part of what they were experiencing. It's like an underlying powder keg and it will, all it takes is this little match to set it off. And they're waiting for Jesus. They're anticipating Jesus is going to be that match. He's going to light the fire and just take this energy that's within the crowd and just explode it into Jerusalem. We've seen this type of environment over this past year as we've had protests and riots and, and uh, people uh, gathering in crowds. And they felt like they were going to change the environment around them by overthrowing uh, those who were in authority around them. And that's probably what the crowd thought Jesus was in Jerusalem to do, that he was going to join in on the crowd. And they were thinking, let's go. It's time for revolution. It's time to overthrow the establishment, Jesus. Let's get on board and let's get on with this. Let's unseat those people in power. Usher in the new kingdom. And Jesus, figuratively speaking, picks up a bucket and dumps cold water all over their fire by telling them, this is what he says, you ready to go? Are you excited? Are you ready to go? Let's go then. I'm ready, but I'm not going to ascend. Instead, I'm going to lose my life. And if you're with me, you're ready to lose your life with me. And you have to be willing to take up your cross and follow me. I imagine that's not the message that they were hoping for. Instead of riding the, the high tide of the crowd and getting on board with them, Jesus turns it around and he says, Hey crowd, are you ready? Then let's go surrender our lives. Let's go sacrifice and serve. And let's continue in the way of the kingdom. It's quite possible that it probably, it probably did feel like just a bucket of cold water all over this fire. The people were stirred up. They were excited. They're ready to go. And Jesus says, yeah, it's, it's not happening that way. The way that my kingdom comes is that you have to be willing to give up your life. So again, the crowd comes back to Jesus after he explains this to them. They come back to him and they try to persuade Jesus away from this thinking. They mention, hey, we know that from the scriptures, the Messiah lasts forever. So what are you talking about? Who are you talking about with this son of man thing? In other words, Jesus, they're saying, you need to stop with this type of talk. Get on board with us. 
let, let's ride this Messiah wave to overthrow Rome and to, to take up seats of authority and usher in this new kingdom. Stop trying to kill the enthusiasm, in other words. We've got a plan, and all you have to do is say yes, and we're ready to, to take this in all the way. Jesus' response to their pressure back to him puts even more pressure and asks them to move from the point of just crowd think and into a personal decision of what they're going to do. In other words, Jesus saying, hey, all of this has been exciting and this has been right and this is good. But Jesus says, what are you going to do about it now? Addressing the crowd, not just as a mass of people who are going to force their way for something to happen. Jesus addresses the individuals of the crowd as he does so often. And he says, but what are you going to do? John 12, 35 and 36 so Jesus said to them, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he's going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of the light. Now, here's the great thing about crowds is that they do move us closer to something that we maybe could have never experienced on our own. So it's great motivation, great encouragement to move us along. But here's the bigger picture about crowds. Crowds come and then crowds go. But will you still be Jesus' disciple when the crowd moment is over? Crowds come and crowds go, but will you still be Jesus' disciple when the crowd moment is over? And that's what Jesus is putting pressure on. He says, all of this is great and this is fun and this is celebratory and wonderful. And, and he's not dismissive of it, but then he puts pressure on it and he says, but what are you going to do next? Not you as part of the crowd, but you as an individual. Where is this going to take you? You and I can jump on board with the inertia and the energy of the crowd, but those are event-oriented faith expressions. And they're wonderful. Sunday mornings are wonderful to come together and worship. Uh, worship concerts are wonderful to be a part of and a, an experience to, to be a part of. A sunrise service on an Easter morning, though terribly cold and uncomfortable, can be wonderful expressions of our faith and celebration of who Jesus is. But if after the event, after the crowd has gathered, Jesus is still going to ask you and he's going to ask me, now, will you follow me? Are you going to follow me? Are you going to continue in discipleship now that the crowd has disappeared? Are you going to progress in this long, ongoing walk with Jesus after the crowd is gone? While the light is on and you're still aware of what needs to happen, right now when the courage is still within you, are you going to make that change? When the words are still in your mouth to speak it, you have this encouragement that the crowd with a moment has brought. Are you going to take the next step and follow Jesus, whatever that looks like? The crowd moments, they're going to come and go in your life. But what are you going to do with it? What's going to be the outcome, the discipling outcome of your life 
when the crowd begins to disperse and it's just you and Jesus walking together again. And that's what Jesus is putting pressure on with the crowd. Will you walk away from that crowd moment and just say, wow, that was really amazing. And now I've just got this memory of what happened in that moment. Or will you use those crowd moments to propel you forward in your walk with Jesus Christ? When I talk about crowd moments, it doesn't have to be a hundred or a thousand people. It can even just be as small as five. It can be the influence of your family. Many young people have grown up in the crowd environment of a family of faith, and they've gone on to move away from home and in their workplaces, move into their own apartments. They've gone on to uh, college or university, and they've, they've now moved away from the crowd environment of their faith. And the question that they're posed with is, are you going to still disciple? Or are you now just jumping into a new crowd and you're just going to follow whatever they're following? Or are you going to disciple with Jesus? Others who have come to Christ, maybe at a, a church event, uh, maybe you know, in a decision they were asked, to, are you going to follow Jesus? And, and they made that decision but then walked out of that service and they walked back to a family that didn't support their faith. They walked into a work environment that was even hostile to their faith in Jesus Christ. Had friends that made fun of them or didn't support their discipleship decision. And Jesus comes to us in those moments and he says, will you stay with me though? even though the crowd is no longer encouraging you and, and supporting your decisions. And, and, and while the crowd, it's fun to be a part of it, always comes back to you. It always comes back to my decision. Will I continue in the way of Jesus? The crowd was cheering as Jesus entered into Jerusalem. But not many remained out of that crowd that surrounded him that day. So many just kind of dispersed and went on their own way, feeling like Jesus had put their fire out and no longer were they part of that movement. But some did. Some remained. Some continued on in their discipleship with Jesus. Today there's crowds gathering in churches all around. Palm branches being waved, hands being raised, songs being sung. There's crowds who are worshiping Jesus, and rightfully so. There's no way that Jesus would say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that aside. That's out of place. No, Jesus receives our worship and the excitement of our hearts as we come before him. But as the worship hour closes, as this message comes to an end, Jesus is putting pressure on our discipleship with him. And he would ask the question, why are you listening? Why are you here? Is it just to join in the crowd? Or will you follow me? For those who have never made a decision to follow Jesus, and they've never called him Lord and Savior, this message goes out to you. And Jesus is asking you today, just as he would the crowd in those days, will you remain with me? While it's light, while the 
the light in your heart is turned on and he's drawing you and the Holy Spirit is leading you. And he's saying, today's the day for you to begin to follow Jesus, to begin to surrender your life and make him Lord of your life. Now you could turn off this message and just go on your way and say, well, I'll save that for another time. But Jesus's words are, hey, it's light right now. Make your decisions and take your steps while the light is upon you because the darkness comes where you won't remain. And so make your decisions and stay with them while the light remains. And I would just encourage you, if the Holy Spirit is drawing you to make a decision to follow Jesus today, today's the day. And as this message closes out, there's going to be an invitation for you to reach out to us and request a booklet called Following Jesus. And I would encourage you, make that decision and would gladly send you that book to help you on this discipleship pathway. If you're making that decision and you have a friend or a family member nearby, then reach out to them and let them know you're making that decision to follow Jesus today and begin to take the steps in discipleship while you have that support. Because there comes a time when the crowd is gone and it's just you and Jesus and will you remain? Others of you watching this message today, you've been following Jesus for some time. But you know right now the Holy Spirit is putting some pressure, revealing areas of your life where the Lord has moved on you to make decisions that will move you along in your discipleship. There's things that he's asking you to do, habits and practices in, in discipleship that he's asking you to pursue in him. And you've put it off for a while. You, you were maybe part of a, a crowd, a, a family member, or a small group. And you felt that encouragement to take that step of obedience, but you maybe dismissed it at that moment. And Jesus is coming back to you and saying, what about you? Will you follow me today? Will you continue in discipleship even when others aren't going the same way? I remember early on in my walk with Jesus I loved my music so much. I had some bands that were my favorites. And there came a point where the Lord was saying, you know, you love that a little too much and it has too strong of an influence on your thinking because you listen to it all the time. And it's not leading you to me. It's actually leading you away from me or it's just stagnant. It's not encouraging your faith in me. So I felt the Holy Spirit leading me say, I want you to get rid of all of that and just begin to immerse yourself in scripture and in praise and worship. You know, my response wasn't an immediate, I didn't just say, yes, Lord, I'll do that. No, my response was, hey, what about them? What about these other Christians? They're listening to music worse than what I listen to. How come, how come they're not having to do this? <laughs> it's such a uh, response I found in myself at different times. And the response the Lord had back to me was much like he had with Peter when Peter asked him about others because the Lord told Peter, he said, Peter, you're going to die a death that you don't want to die. And Peter said, hey, what about them? What about the others? And the Lord said, you know, what's it to you if I want to keep them alive? What's it to you if I want to do something different in their life? In this message, I'm putting pressure, and I don't think it's just me, I think the Holy Spirit would put pressure on those of you who have followed him for some time. And he's asking you to do a hard thing in your discipleship with him. And the temptation of you might be to say, but what about them? Nobody else is having to do that. 
And the Lord would just say, that's right. It's because I have a unique love and relationship with you that I don't have with others. What's it to you if I have something else for them? But you, you follow me. So as we finish up this message about crowds and our own pursuit of Jesus, I want to encourage you, be a part of a crowd. Be a part of a crowd that worships and exalts Jesus. Give, be a part of a crowd, a, a friends and family, a small group. Be a part of a, the church as we worship and we celebrate Jesus throughout this, this Easter season. And we give him praise on this Palm Sunday and, and next week as we celebrate Easter. Be a part of that crowd. And whether it's large or small, get with, together with others who celebrate him and who exalt the name of Jesus and give him praise that he's worthy of. But as the crowd disperses, as the, the crowd goes its way, today I want to ask the question, what are you going to do? Are you going to follow Jesus? Are you going to stay with him while it's light? Are you going to take those steps to disciple with him? Because the crowd goes away and it still remains, what are you going to do with the life that Jesus has given to you? Will you lay it down and follow him? Or will you just go your own way? And just remember the moment as a memory. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you so much for your entrance into Jerusalem. And, and uh, Lord, thank you for your entrance into our lives. And so we celebrate that. We celebrate that you've come and you are the king. You are the long anticipated one. Uh, you are the Messiah. You are our savior and the one who has come to redeem us. And so we celebrate you, God, and we rejoice on this Palm Sunday message. God, we, we delight in who you are and why you've come. And Lord, we, we embrace this response now to stay with you and to, to pursue you. While the crowd may disperse, Lord, we don't uh, step away from you. We stay with you. We remain. And so while it's light, we are committed to taking those steps. Some of us, it's our first decision to follow you. So we pursue you, Lord. We make that commitment to lay down our life and for the first time commit our lives to, to make you Lord and King and to follow you. Lord, others of us are making that decision to stay with you. We've been with you, but Lord, it's been hard. And the temptation is to compare our lives to others and the, the discipleship path with others. But we know that you have something unique and a unique calling and gifting for each one of us. So Lord, help us to pursue you no matter what it takes to stay with you, to make sacrifices that need to be made, and to begin to do things that you're asking us to do to stay in, in discipleship with you. We thank you for this time. We, we shout, we say, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, be praised to your glory. Amen. You can find more resources for this service at nhgj.org. Email us your prayer requests to prayer at nh4gj.org. If you are a new follower of Jesus, we have a free resource for you called Following Jesus. To receive a copy, send a request to info at nh4gj.org. If you would like to partner with our ministry through giving, you can do that online at nhgj.org giving or by mail to 641 Horizon Drive, Grand Junction, Colorado, 81506. Thank you for being with us and may the Lord bless you.